Hello and salam. Welcome to Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series powered by American Muslim Today, a groundbreaking nonprofit digital newspaper who champions civic engagement. AMT informs and empowers the diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the US and other countries. I'm Rifat Malik. I'm AMT's editor-in-chief. And today we have an interview with Craig Hunter, who's a Presbyterian pastor from North Texas. And he talks to us about how he rallied his church to adopt a resolution calling Israel an apartheid state. Next weekend on January the 19th and 20, the Trinity Presbyterian Church in Denton is hosting its annual, 11th annual Palestine Film Festival, followed by conversation and a free Palestinian dinner. He spoke earlier to our reporter, Maya Gaylor. I facilitated and, and led a couple groups to um, to Palestine and Israel um, in the early 2010s. Um, that included uh, the majority were from the congregation, and um, we had I had led had taught uh, classes here at the church about the history of the Israeli Palestinian situation, and then um, I'd also taught some classes um, at the it used to be the Emeritus College at UNT, and now it's called Ali, the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. Um, and so we, I led a, a couple groups over there, and we met with different um, individuals and organizations that were working on issues of, of justice and peace. And so then following the second of those trips, which was in 2012, um, some, of the, some of the people from this church who had um, been on one or both of those trips, we decided to start meeting and thinking about what we could do. And... So um, I think we we settled relatively early on on the idea of showing films um, because we thought that um, engages people in a, in sometimes in a um, less heady way in their images and stories and um, and so we we had a, our first film festival in January of I guess I guess it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. And every year since then, yeah, I mean, basically, we we want to um, educate people um, about what is going on over there, um, I w- and also also communicate. I think um, that um, particularly some of the, the the Palestinian community and and others that um, feel um, isolated that they're not alone. Um, that there are others here who are aware and who um, care and are trying to do something about um, the situation and the the relationship of this country to that area over there. So, um, yeah, so I just had a little question. Um, you guys, the church, I mean, um, you have passed a resolution calling Israel, uh, you know, what they're doing in apartheid, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. And then um, I'm sure, as you know, South Africa is filing a motion um, with mm-hmm. you know, along, along this. Uh, so can you just kind of tell me what do you think about that and why is it so important to um, call this issue an apartheid? I lived there 20 over 20 years ago, and it became clear living there then that this was not just some, you know, minor injustice going on it was a deep-rooted systemic um issue that really kind of blew my mind um when i lived there 
for a year. And um, so I'm part of a, a, a network of other Presbyterians in my denomination who are scattered around the country. And um, they've done most of the work in the denomination on this issue. I've, I've been a part of it, so I've certainly helped, but um, there's been more others than me. But in 20, um, I think it was in 2014, or um, that that this group, this network within the Presbyterian denomination, um, we wanted to um, we brought we wanted to have make change some of the policy of the denomination, and so we had two. One of the one of the pushes that year was to um, divest um, from um, Hewlett Packard Motorola Solutions and uh, Caterpillar, and then um, there was another one about naming the practices of Israel apartheid, and so both of those were introduced in twenty fourteen, and and I introduced them both here in in uh, at my congregation and in North Texas. And um, in North Texas, among the Presbyterian, the way our, without going into too many details, the, the divestment one lost here in this Presbytery, but the apartheid one passed in this Presbytery, which was not, which was a surprise to me. I, I did not think it was going to pass. So that meant it went to the, denom the national denomination. And in the national denomination in 2014, the apartheid one the committee that looked at it in the denomination recommended against the apartheid one by a 33 to 32 vote, and then it lost by a bigger vote. And so it was defeated in 2014, but the divestment one passed. And so that was a big deal. It made the front page of the New York Times in 2014. So then in 20, in the fall of 2019, I with this others in this network, I said, let's try again with the apartheid one because it had failed, but it was close and, you know, things had continued to deteriorate over there. And so um, I worked with um, one or two others on rewriting and, and re revising the earlier draft. And so I introduced it here. And the, the way the Presbyterian system works, it has to kind of move, move up the the chain, and so it passed here in this congregation, and then it passed in the in um, the Presbytery, which is the regional governing body in in uh, North Texas. It passed surprisingly, like a ninety-eight to thirty-three vote here in North Texas, which was a surprise. And then it and it was supposed to be voted upon in twenty twenty, um, but then the pandemic hit, and so it every all the business of the national church got tabled, um, and then. It, it got postponed until 2022. And in the meantime, between 2020 and 2022, Human Rights Watch, Betselem, uh, Amnesty International, these other groups were coming out with these well-documented, I mean, our our resolution was like 12 pages and it had, you know, it had quotes and documented and statistics. And, but um, these other organizations had come out and said, yes, this meets the definition of apartheid. And and then, so it, when it went before the denomination, finally in 2022, um, it passed by about a two to one margin, which once again, I was pleasantly surprised that it passed. And the, the issue is, I mean, I'm sorry, I think especially in the church, but even outside the church, you have to call things what they are. And so to say that it's apartheid is not necessarily 
in and of itself, it's not meant as a slur. It's meant as a fact. It's meant as an accurate description of this. This is what the international definition of apartheid is. It does not look exactly the way that South African apartheid did. It doesn't have to, according to the definition. So, um, but it still meets that definition. Um, and so the denomination, you know, agreed. And so now that's the policy of the denomination. And, you know, I don't think it's an accident that South Africa is bringing this, you know, this case against Israel and that um, other peoples around the world, including in this country, you know, um, Black Lives Matter movements and, you know, people see rightly so that there is, this is a kind of colonial, um, you know, ethno or supremacist movement. And, you know, we have a history of that here in this country um, and maybe that's hard, part of what makes it difficult for us to to recognize it elsewhere too, is we don't want to admit it in our own background. But but um, you know, I think it's significant that um, both South African government and also the South African Church. Um, I mean, the South African Church has also pushed in the in the worldwide church before the last few months. Uh, last what is going on Israel is um is you know horrible and and actually when the 2014 apartheid resolution went to the national assembly here I used some contacts to get Archbishop Desmond Tutu who was still living to personally endorse that resolution that passed and to say you know he he had a blurb that we tried to publicize and you know it said, I encourage the Presbyterians to vote in favor of this resolution, and I know what apartheid is. And um, so, unfortunately, it didn't pass in 2014, but it did finally pass in 2022. Of course, he passed in between, but. Yeah, and then um, obviously this conflict has been going on for decades, more than 70 years. Um but it's just now gaining real global support um, after the October 7th Hamas attack. Um, so if you could kind of just tell me, you know, how do you feel about that attack from Hamas? And then how do you feel about those who don't condemn those actions? Well, I mean, I think that I, I think the, Ham the Hamas's attack was a horrible thing. Um, but I, um, that in a vacuum, I mean, the, you know, UN secretary general said it, this, this hasn't occurred in a vacuum. And so, um, the, and I think that's been a lot of the problem among the Western governments and even the Western church is it's as if they want to kind of start the clock on October 7th and forget everything that happened before. And, you know, not only were there a number, have there been a number of, of you know, lies about what happened at, on October 7th, um, although what, what did happen was horrible enough, um, but you have this entire history of, you know, ethnic cleansing, of uh, apartheid, of, you know, various massacres. And so um, that, um, you know, the violence of the, weak against the strong is not of the same moral quality as the violence of the strong against the weak. And so, um, 
And I think what I think I, it's an imperfect, but a helpful guideline is international law. And so, you know, if Hamas um, goes and shoots a bunch of civilians, that's a violation of international law. And I think it should be said that is wrong. Um, but at the same time, you know, building the wall in the West Bank is a, is a you know clear violation according to the International Court of Justice of international law. The you know the system of control and oppression, the settlements, um, you know, all and and then the bomb, the incessant bombing of Gaza, both in the past and especially in the last few months, all that's a violation of international law. So, um, you know, I think that that's a decent standpoint to to start from is you know um what's the history what's international law say um although you know i don't think international law has served palestinians all that well historically but i still think it could be and can be a helpful tool the problem is uh the powers that be mainly the united states government is is giving um israel close to a carte blanche to do whatever they want. So, um, but I mean, I, I do think this is bringing a lot of attention. Um, I am, uh, you know, it's a mixed bag because on the one hand, it's just absolutely horrible and just unbelievable what's going on. Um, on the other hand, I think there, I hope that there are more people who are like, this is just completely insane and wrong and um and i i hope more people are kind of tuning into that and um i certainly think that's the case among younger people uh which is great you know so that there that's that's hopeful i think right yeah exactly and then um as you mentioned you know our us government is backing a lot of israel's military so how as americans um do we speak up how do we protest you know what what do we do as civilians well i mean i i think that's an excellent question and i <laughs> i just i think part of the answer you have to do something i mean you know it, and it um doing nothing is not an option and so um but I also think, you know, trying to be effective in what you do matters. Um, so, you know, the I, I and the group, you know, we've been long supporters of the BDS movement. Um, I think that's an, um, a nonviolent um, way of exerting pressure that, you know, has been falsely tarred as anti-Semitic or um but I think so. I'm a supporter of that, um, um, and then you know, pressuring various bodies. You know, like in in my case, it's the church. You know, pressuring the church, and um, that was to be clear. You know, I was part of a much in the in my denomination, part of a much bigger you know group, and they they did most of the work. Um, but it was the work of many people over many years. And, um, and you know, South Africa took the work of civil society. I mean, if it, I think the U.S. government was supporting South African, the you know, South African apartheid government for a long time. And it really, I think, was civil society and the churches. And um, these days, you know, it may not just be the churches, but civil society, churches, mosques, um, you know, unions, um, and I think we're seeing move, student groups and I think we're seeing movements among all of those. Um, we just need more. 
is, I mean, because the bombs are still falling. So. Yeah. And then last question, kind of the same stream of thought. Um, how do we move forward? How does Gaza move forward? How does the world move forward? Well, you know, I think, I think it was Edmund Burke. And then I think who said it, I think, and then I think Edward Said quoted him and, you know, said pessimism of the intellect, optimism of the will. And, you know, I, I, which that really resonates with me. Unfortunately, I think the short term is bleak. I, I don't think that I'm not very hopeful in the short term in terms of what is, I mean, I think the the best that is likely to happen is at some point there will be some form of ceasefire, you know, at, at some point, but it, it should have already happened a long time ago. Um, but I, that's going to come at some point. But in terms of of um, beyond that, um, having a uh, some kind of just solution, um, I'm not optimistic that we're going to see that anytime soon. Um, so, so I think that part of what that means for me is, you know, to, that this is this is not the the you know cause du jour it's not the cause of the day that you just say okay well i did that check i'm i'm on to some other thing um because this is a long struggle and i've been doing i've been involved in this for over 20 years so um because i think you have such an imbalance of power between israel and the government and the the Palestinians, especially those in Gaza, and there are a lot of ways in which it's not like South Africa. I mean, there are ways in which it is what like South African apartheid, but there's also some significant ways in which it's not, and um, that may only prolong the the issue. And so, um, when you have that dis you know disparity in power, and then the Israeli public seems to be very united in terms of you know basically bomb bomb Gaza to smithereens and just, you know, just get rid of them. However, they can, you know, send them away or whatever. Um, uh, I, so I think that disparity of power has to be addressed. Um, and I, and, and I, you know, I think that was a problem with the Oslo peace process is you had this disparity of power and it wasn't addressed. And so it just got enshrined, enshrined into the peace negotiations and into the peace process. Um, so that's why I think there, there needs to be pressure from outside. Israel is not, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, in his famous letter from a Birmingham jail, he said, you know, individuals might on their own choose to do the moral thing, but groups rarely do so. And so Israel is not just going to wake up a Say, hey, you know, we've decided to be just and to do the right thing and to, you know, abide by that's not going to happen. Um, and so they have to be pressured. And that's what happened with South Africa. South African white government and people on the whole didn't just wake up one morning. They felt the pressure from the international community. And so I think that's what needs to happen. Unfortunately, I think that's a, a long game. And, um, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. And, you know, my fear is that if there were any agreement 
um, between, I don't know, the Palestinian Authority or what some kind of Palestinian entity and Israel, it's only going to be very much in the interest of Israel. And so, I don't know. If, I don't know if that answers your question. But, um, you know, so here I think it means, you know, talking about it, um, joining the BDS movement, um, you know, and trying to bring about change in whichever groups that one is a part of, um, you know, going to, going to protests, you know, that's not everything. It, it, it's not, it may not even be much, but it's not nothing. And, you know, we've got to do something because, um, I mean, these are people who, they're people, period, and they're being killed by, I mean, they're being killed, they're, their killing is enabled by us, um, even if we're not the ones actually pulling the trigger, it's it's happening because of us, in a way, indirectly, so. Um, yeah, um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, you're right, this is not an easy solution, it's not an easy uh, topic. Um, but I appreciate your time today. I don't have any further questions unless you just wanted to add anything about um, what your church is doing or the event specifically. Well, I can speak a little bit about the event. On Friday night, we have a film. In this case, this is an unusual year in in the sense that because of what's going on over there, basically all the films that we have are out of date. You know, they're they're... they're um, because there there aren't films really that have been filmed in the last month or two. So there, but we're showing one on Friday evening, Gaza Health Under Siege, which is about um, b before October seventh. It's about the um, challenge of just providing healthcare in Gaza after years of blockade. The Darna restaurant is providing food on. Um, Saturday evening, and then we're going to show the film Israelism on Saturday evening, um, which is, I think, uh, and then we're going to talk with the directors of that film virtually afterwards. And um, so, yeah, we, we want people to come. Um, it's free. And, um, you know, a lot of the people who we have come every year have come multiple times. And they're welcome, but we're particularly interested in people who are new to to this issue, you know, who um who kind of just only get mainstream their news from the mainstream media. Um, those are the ones we most are excited to have. Well, thank you for joining us this week from me and Maya. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at American Muslim Today. And if you'd like to read more about this story and access more digital content, feel free to check out our website, AmericanMuslimToday.com. We'll see you next week on The Muslim Viewpoint.